Today's scripture reading is Luke 1, 67 to 79. Now his father Zacharias, Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophet, who have, been, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy prophesied to our fathers and to redeem his holy covenant. The oath by which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. And in holiness, in holiness and righteousness before him, all the days of our lives. And you, child, be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, throughout through the tender mercy of our God, with, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and to the, in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the, into the way of peace. There's a, excuse me, there's a beauty in high-powered microphones. There's a beauty of how God works within our lives, of how prophecies are made concerning the coming of Jesus and the things that are involved in it. I was thinking how God prophesies and sees things that we fully don't see or understand, but as sometimes time passes, we catch a little bit of a glimpse of it. I was thinking, I look down, look around, I look down, I see Seth and Nolan and Mitchell. I see Noah. I see Grayson, Zachary, Jeremy. Somewhere around there's Zoe, uh, Zoe and Therese and Kristen. And I see a joy there. I was thinking along that line, I was thinking particularly with Mitchell. He has a smile that is undescribable. And I'm thinking about Walterine Harden. She had a smile today that was undescribable. I don't know if it has something to do with grandkids and such being here. But she had a smile that was indescribable. And I'm thinking between the two of them, there's only like 90 years. Uh, but there is a joy there that is being expressed. And there ought to be a joy there in all of us 
because of this marvelous, wonderful grace of God, the prophecy given concerning one who would be the child, and he would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. And yet, for us also to be able to work with a time frame. Scripture coming out of Isaiah 9, but the time frame. When God makes promises, and when God fulfills those promises. We look at the one, Walterina, looking back and watching and observing or listening to the life that she has lived and the service that she has rendered to God down through the years and to see that, still see that joy in being a child of God. And then look at Mitchell. How many years will he have? Will that joy still be there? And I could go through the rest of you as well. <laughs> but we want to go home sometime today before 5 o'clock. have to be back here for services. Um, but I just want us to, to kind of reflect for the moment. God making a promise. And the joy that it brings. The change that it brings into life and into the world. And ours is to understand a little bit about what he's promising to do, that he'll be a wonderful counselor, this child that was going to come prophesied so many centuries ago. We're reminded that the prophecy given in Isaiah was a prophecy that there would be one who would come who would be both God and man. Hard for man at that time, hard for man when this was being fulfilled, and hard for man today to catch and to realize the concept of one being God and also being human, being man. That he'd have this dual nature, if you will. And that he had a purpose behind it. And what he would be able to do, or what he was to do as he came into this world. And the trusting God of working that out. We talked a little bit about that this morning in the auditorium class. It's just hard to fully grasp the providence of God in working his will out. He is moving his people around at particular times for particular reasons. And they may not even know it. Just as we study scripture and are to learn from them, they're written for our admonition and for our learning upon whom the ends of the ages have come. That is, he did certain things. Either it be to cause his people to go into a foreign land or to cause his people to go into captivity or to have a length of time that for human history 
would have to be insurmountable for them. You think about Isaiah receiving a prophecy of a coming Messiah. And yet, never see it. To hear the things that this child would do and never see it. And we live our lives at times and there are those that we can think of that would have longed to see some of these days. And to see the changes that have taken place, to see the fulfillment of prophecies that God has given. And the way that he's blessed. And at times it's hard for us to catch the depths of his blessing us along the way. This Messiah would be one who would be a wise teacher and one who would work miracles. He would be given a reputation as time would unfold in the book of Acts and in chapter 10 and in verse 38. And how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, then when in with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Prophecy of Jesus. But is that also not what God has done for us, or not in the same degree, if you will? But he left us an example, Jesus, that we ought to follow in his steps. That we ought to be known for going about doing good. It's a characteristic of those who have a love for God. Just going about doing good. Enjoying the life that is there. And of knowing the, the little things that go along with it. Of how they are appreciated. And they're not always fully known. It's being wise for us, that wisdom comes from a knowledge of God's Word. But not only does it come from a knowledge of God's Word, it comes through an application of that. I was going to say, I know Mitch always has a good smile on his face, but I know that's not true. <laughs> I've seen him a time or two when that wasn't there, you know. Uh, <clears throat> Something had gone on and the smile was gone. But see, it's back. Do we learn? Do we learn about that in life? There's good times and there's times when they're not quite so good. But then there's good times. Look at Jesus as that example that he gave for us. And it's hard. It's hard to read the Gospels, when you're looking for that characteristic, if you will. It's hard to read about his doing good and being wise and being persecuted, being rejected, being mocked, 
not believing who he is. Because he was not exactly as they had wanted or perceived or were looking forward to. And at times that happens to us in our life. We, we, go, we have to be going about doing good. But it's not just for doing good in the physical realm. And people sometimes see that or do not see that. And when you do good, it's not always well received. But we're doing it as did Jesus for a spiritual realm and for an eternity along the way. We're not able to follow every example that Jesus set for us. In Mark 1 and verse 22, Jesus is mentioned as teaching with authority. Since he is God, he could teach with authority. We can only teach the authority of God's word. Reminding us of that application to us. That his word is supreme and it is the authority. And what it says is true and it applies to us. That we are children. And that we are to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Second Peter 3 and verse 18. There's a growth that is to take place. And regardless of where we are. You can talk to Walter Reams. He'll tell you she doesn't know it all. But she will also tell you there's a joy in being a child of the living God. And there's a joy in being able to live life and to know that God is there and that God has kept his word and is keeping his word. And that just makes us anticipate just all the more his promise. Out of John 14, 1 through 3, of that eternal home, that house that he's prepared for us to dwell in one day. Hearing the teaching of Jesus that we're to imitate, Again, is not always well received. They misunderstood what he had to say, and oftentimes they misunderstand what we're trying to teach along the way. Jesus had the authority to forgive sins. And he would remind those of his day in Matthew 9 and verse 6 of that fact. Hard to be convinced, some people, of God's ability, his desire, his wish to forgive our sins to the degree that they are remembered no more by God. We can, to say we will forgive but we will not forget. It's hard to get that characteristic of God in there, is it not? 
Hebrews 10, verse 17, their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more, says the Lord. When they're repented of, when the blood of Jesus has washed them away, they are gone. You're not accountable for them any longer. The blood of Christ was sufficient to take care of that. And the blood of Christ is sufficient to take care of our sins as we commit them and repent of them, confess them to the Father. The blood of Christ is sufficient to enable us to be children who make mistakes. That's our terminology. Able to forgive us as children who sin, who transgress, who fail to keep, who violate the will of God, that when they are confessed, he washes them around, washes them away, and remembers them no more. But that price, that price is beyond our comprehension. Because we tend to remember at times. You come from a fairly large family. Some of you do. It's always interesting when family gets together and they begin to discuss things that they did when they were children. And to remember things. I've got a sister who always is apologizing to me for trying to be the parent of me and to discipline me along the way. And I said, that's okay. I enjoyed what I did. <clears throat> Sorry, but I enjoyed what I did. <clears throat> it's not the same as God. And are you not grateful for that? That he does not bring up. You remember what you did in the year 2000? Remember how you thought you got away with it? I know what you did. And I've got it recorded. That is not Hebrews 10 and verse 17. Nor is that found in the scriptures. Are we not grateful for what God has done for us? He is a wonderful Jesus, wonderful counselor. Gives us instructions, guides us, points us in the right way. But that wonderful counsel also set the example that we ought to follow in his steps. And I don't know that as you you read the Gospels, does your anger or does your blood begin to boil at times? When those whom he loved just rejected him? At times took up stones to stone him? Called him names, bells above. Does the work of the devil 
Those that he came because he loved. Those that he came in order to show them the depths of God's love and his willingness to forgive those sins and to hate him so much that they would form a desire to kill him. And yet being good religious people, they did not want to do that during a holy feast when they were to be there to worship God. We want to do it. We're going to do it, but this is not the best time for us to do that. But they went ahead and had to go ahead and do that anyway. I'm here. We're here to worship God. We're here to hear his word. We're here to hear those prophecies of Isaiah. Daniel 2, 44, excuse me, and other passages. We're here to anticipate this coming of a kingdom that would never be destroyed. And yet we have murder on our hearts and murder in our minds. We're just bidding our time to get even and to remove him from our midst. As mentioned, we're approaching a time of the year when some of the world at least will give some credence to Jesus. But how long lived is it? And what consideration is even given to it? The thought that crosses the mind and then goes away because you've got the other thoughts that are coming in the mind what else may be there and so forth. We may go through the act. How many will go through the act? And I'm not necessarily looking on the outside to the religious world. Okay? How many will go through the act? I'm here to worship God. But my heart and my thoughts are far from worshiping God. I'm thinking about too many other things and I'm not even able or not even desiring to place the world outside so that we could concentrate the heart, the mind, and the soul not just for a time of year but for a life that we live as to why we chose this. Not a formality, not a tradition. It's a heartfelt desire. But as I read God's love for me in his word, when I read what he's done, when I read what he is doing. Sometimes we want to remember the past, we want to anticipate the future, and we forget about the present. Because I do not see all of those things. I mean, if I look in the past, I ought to be able to see 
the blessing of being a child of the living God. To see how he's touched the life, see how he's sustained, how he's strengthened, how he got us through some dark hours that we, as we lived them. And then find out, no, they weren't that dark. Because I had the Son of God with me. They were not that dark. You can look out at the world and you can see darkness. You can see utter despair and utter hatred for the world in which they live and the world in which they see and for who they are and who they see in other people. They do not know this wonderful counselor, what he has to bring and what he has to give. That he has that ability and desire to give eternal life. Jesus would remind Martha concerning Lazarus, I am the resurrection. There's life in Jesus. Makes life worth living. He is the resurrection and the life. And without him, there is no hope that we have in this life. To remind ourselves of the promise that the angels gave to the disciples as they watched this Jesus ascend into heaven. The same Jesus that you've seen ascend into heaven. Well, what? He's going to come again. He's going to come for his people. He's coming to take them home to be with him eternally. You take some time to read Revelation. But that eternal home. Move beyond those imageries that he gives that are the physical realm, if you will, and just try to catch what it must be like. If he uses terms that we understand and they are beyond our comprehension to begin with, how wonderful heaven must be. We have the opportunity, as Doug had mentioned, to use this time to share with others. Try to get them to see something beyond the manger scene. Help them to see the answer to the question. What does Jesus mean to me? And why why is it important for me to want to serve him? And how indeed has he changed my life? From hopelessness to hope. From dread to joy. From death to life. And it does start with answering the question, who at the door is standing? Seek an entrance 
into your life. The fact that we might have to consider him as a stranger is sad. Let the stranger in. Let the, the loving Savior in. He'll give you life. He'll give you hope. He'll give you purpose. And indeed, life will never be the same. But indeed, it will be far greater than anything you could ever imagine. Life is worth the living because the Savior lives. Does he live within you? If your life is not where it needs to be, then you need to make a change in that life. If we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.